Hey, what's up? It's Avery here. Well, I guess who else would it be? It is my own show. <laughs> you see, my show is on platforms like iTunes and Spotify, and you may wonder, how do I get my show on these platforms? Well, I do it through an app called Anchor. It's free to download, and you can use it on your phone or on your laptop. And it also comes with creation tools that let you edit your show. You can also make that sweet moolah with your podcast with no minimum listenership. So, want to get started? Download the Anchor app on the Google Play Store or Apple's App Store. Or go to anchor.fm. It's that easy. Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? What is up? What is up? Welcome back to Avery Sports Show. And those of you who know me, you know I've, over the past few years, have been big into rugby league, doing stuff with Super League, doing stuff on Sky Sports. And now, with Super League still down due to the COVID-19 pandemic, people have been turning towards the NRL and what's going on in rugby in Australia. So I wanted to have someone on who's not only versed in game in Australia, but has also been profiling people in the game in rugby league, in the Philippines, in Russia, in Greece, and here from the Chasing Kangaroos podcast and Apple podcast, Michael Carbone. Michael, how are you doing today, buddy? Yeah, really good, mate. Uh, it's fantastic to be on the show, and uh, I'm just glad to hear uh, North American accent speaking about rugby league, so this is really exciting for me. <laughs> you know, it's funny, I, I get that same reply from people who are in Australia and the UK, it's good to hear yeah. North American accent. They're always so surprised when someone who's from either Canada or America has an interest in the game. It's, it's, it's kind of funny to hear sometimes. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. So good on you, man. And I hope you're enjoying the NRL at the moment. I am. I am. So I want to ask, you know, I, I love, you know, I love hearing about how people get involved in the game. And of course, for yourself being Australian, I wanted to ask you, like, how did you get involved in, the, in rugby league? What was your really entry into rugby league, be it, be it playing or being watched on TV? It's really hard to pinpoint the moment. I guess I was just born this way, in the, <laughs> the same way that you guys over there would follow, you know, football or basketball or baseball yes. or hockey. Um, for us, it's just you're born and you like what your dad likes or what you, your friends like or what your cousins like. And... I just I don't remember the moment that I started watching rugby league. It's just always been a part of my life, and in particular, uh, my team, the St George Illawarra Dragons. So it's just it's always been a part of me, and something I can't change. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, just watching the NRL and being you know being someone who only really watched rugby league for the past four to five years, it's, it's kind of cool to see just the culture on the game because you have celebrities yeah. who have ownership stake in teams like Russell Crowe. You, you see the culture of NRL on Fox. And it's interesting because we have our culture in when it comes to hockey and basketball and baseball and football. You don't see stuff like the post-game show, the Matty John show being part of the culture as much as it is because we don't have a post-game show in North America that has so much of comedy in it. That's kind of foreign to us. With Inside the NBA being the exception to that rule. But it's really embraced down there in Australia. I love that, Michael. Yeah, it's fantastic. We, I think I've been, I was saying to a friend of mine recently, people like watching people talk about our sport as much as they like watching the sport. And I think that's, <laughs> that's something that's going on all around the world. It's just the way culture is, is changing. And I think over here in Australia in particular, we do we do look at you know, America, North America, mm-hmm. and the culture over there. And we, we follow those cultures, whether it be sport, politics sometimes, movies. We do follow that, that culture. So, yeah, we, it rubs off on us. And I think you can see that with rugby league. 
no, of course, you truly can. You truly can. And now, like I mentioned in the intro, how for people who are in this side of the world, we've been following, of course, the Toronto Wolfpack and Super League yep. is now in hiatus. So what's it been like, I guess, just to see the interest of North Americans sitting up at two or three in the morning and getting involved in the game? Because there's so many North Americans, Michael, when we were in school, we knew rugby union. That was the code in yep. which we were taught in school we saw on TV. So what's it been like just to see North Americans say, wow, there's more than one form of rugby? Because it's really like an eye-opening thing to see to see what we know as rugby, but played very differently. Yeah, it is. It's. I mean, for us, it's strange because we've always had, here in Australia, we've always known about both rugby's league and union. Mm. And it's always strange to us to hear that, you know, people from all over the world don't know the difference between the two. It makes sense, like rugby league, for example, we've we've been very confined in, over the last hundred years to you know north northern England and you know New South Wales and Queensland and parts of Papua New Guinea and New Zealand. We haven't been able to spread our wings as far as say rugby union has, and that might be because of their sort of private school and corporate reach. But um, I don't know if you want me to go into some of the history between the two, but it's it obviously started out as one sport. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a rift about 125 years ago, and that rift was sort of along. Uh, the lines of sort of value. So the the rugby league, as it's now become known, wanted to split from rugby union because they wanted to give their players some more compensation uh, for for taking time off from work. And the game has evolved and grown differently over the last 125 years to what we have today. And I guess that's why we have two two rugby's, which you guys are starting to understand, which is really cool. That's right, we really are. And you've seen the ratings now are coming in, and we're seeing thousands of people are watching the game they're watching the code and for your podcast michael chasing kangaroos i mentioned you are someone you've gone on this podcast and you've interviewed people like quinawati who played for the wolf pack like eric yep. perez who founded the wolf found the wolf pack and is helping the ottawa aces and like yep. what's it been like just to go into i guess not the typical parts of rugby league and interview people who are growing the game in greece in america in the philippines in russia because these are places where they're predominantly heavy in basketball, football, tennis, what have you. And they're now trying to grow the game for to hopefully be in a spot where it can be like, say, a Jamaica, a small nation that's going to be in the World Cup yeah. in 2021. Yeah, it's really cool. And I guess that's why I started Chasing Kangaroos in the first place, because where I live in Sydney, you know, the back page of the newspaper is all about rugby league. You watch the news at night, you listen, you have conversations at work or at school or whatever, and everyone's talking about rugby league, but... We we know we we know we of course follow the NRL very closely. A mm. lot of NRL fans know about the Super League, but they don't know much else about what's going on around the world. And the whole point of the podcast was to help spread the word. And it all started with you know people only now understand who the Toronto Wolfpack are on this side of the world. Uh, people because you know they signed Sonny Bill Williams and things yes. like that, but people don't know about what's going on in Chile or Philippines or Russia or Greece and. It's it's really there's really fascinating storylines and we just wanted to be the reason we started the podcast was to be able to tell some of those stories to people that would be interested but don't even know about it. That's awesome. What has it been to have these different organizations come on your podcast? Well, I've been kind of surprised that you want to talk to them about rugby league. <laughs> yeah, I think I think it started in that way when I first started the show. 
a lot of um, the organisations and people, administrators and players, they reached out to me because mm. they weren't used to having someone speaking about them from Sydney in particular. So, but from then, like I've kind of formed a lot of good friendships and networks and bonds, and um, they're just I don't know. There's other I'm watching other podcasts and news outlets that are sort of starting to talk about this sort of thing as well. So, I feel like we've kind of I'd, I'd like I'd like to say we started something, but I think. The momentum was there, like rugby league is growing thing all the way around the world, and we just sort of got in at the right time, and yeah, it's really cool. No, it, it really is, and as you see the game grow, you know, I look at I look at Super League and NRL, and from a personal yep. standpoint, you know, I I've always felt that the game needs to have the you know, like World Club Challenge. If we talked on Twitter, I feel that that's a game that needs to get out of England, out of Australia, and why why do you think there's apprehension, I guess, to have these games on, say? North American soil because I feel like if you want the game to grow, you have to move out from your comfort zone. You have to really get games going involving NRL teams in, say, Toronto and, say, California or in New York City. Yeah, I agree with you. There's some big markets there that could really embrace the game. And, you know, with the right marketing, you know, like rugby league is a sport that is made for North Americans. Like, they would love it, as mm -hmm. you know. As you, you know, you found it and you love it. Yeah. And um, But the, the thing with our sport is we've always been very, I won't say insular, but we, like the NRL, for example, is probably the most the most powerful rugby competition in the world in either code in terms of like skill and speed and, right. and even now popularity. But they've only just, you know, sorted their own backyard out. Like, they know they're, they're making money, they've got a good TV deal, they're spreading the game across the Pacific... But, you know, it's, it's the, the, I guess the question is what next? You know, how do they get to America? How do they get to, you know, parts of Asia? How do they get mm -hmm. to Europe? And for the NRL, it's not up to them to grow the sport of rugby league, but it is up to them to grow the brand that is in the NRL. And I think they would love more than anything else to be like, they see themselves as like a mini NFL or a mini Premier League, you know, a sport that is, you know, the top of its game and a brand that is recognized worldwide, and I think that's how the NRL would do it. You mentioned NFL. I saw on on their Twitter account, they were trying to compare certain teams to NFL teams. I know, I know it didn't really exactly work for the, for the full comparisons. I know the <laughs> one that did work. I know South City and Green Bay that did work being the oldest teams and more successful ones. But I'll give them credit. Yeah. That, is a good, that is a good attempt to try and correlate them to the NFL because to the average person in America or in this part of the world... If you can find that kind of connection to the NFL, you can find some links. You can probably hopefully get more Americans interested, either staying up later to watch it on Fox Sports 1 where it's airing on this side of the world. Yeah, I think it, it is smart. You know, what what we've tried to, or what the NRL have tried to do is really c compare the NRL to something that you guys already understand and love. And we're not competing with that. Mm. You know, rugby league would never be bigger than, than NFL is over there. Like, that's, that's never going to happen. But they're, they're kind of just saying, look, there's something that us crazy Aussies do over here that's pretty similar to what you guys do over there. And, uh, yeah, you'll probably enjoy it. So if, you, if, you, if you're up early, give us a chance. No, of course. Yeah, I am up early and watching. And, you know, it's, it's interesting watching this, um, this season how interesting seeing, Michael, how the NRL has rebounded from being yep. off over 60 days 
and getting back to round three and round four. Like, a lot of leagues are having trouble doing that. And why do you think the NRL has been able to do this faster than, say, other professional sports leagues? Because they have the same difficulties another league would have. But they have found a way to get back up and running with all 16 teams. And, of course, with the Warriors, who are based in New Zealand, now playing as a traveling team. How do you, why didn't they be able to make it happen yeah. when it's not an easy task? They, they, like, they've beaten the NBA and they've beaten the NHL to restarting their season again. Yeah. Look, there's probably a number of factors, you know, from a, like, from a geographic and political standpoint. Like mm. COVID-19 over here in Australia, like we locked down fairly quickly. The government placed some measures. We've locked our borders down. And, you know, as it stands right now, things are starting to go back to normal here. So it hasn't been, I guess, as bad or as drastic as it is in other parts of the world because of how our government responded um, to the pandemic. So things are getting back to normal, and that's why Rugby League is back. Now, the other side of, of that is we've got some really strong leadership. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ARLC boss is Peter Volandis, who who just started in his role not long before COVID-19 hit. And he was the right man for the job at the right time. He came out, he said, we are aiming to get back by May 28th. A lot of people laughed at that idea. Like they said, there was no chance that Rugby League would or should be back by then. But he stuck to his guns. The the 16 clubs came to the party and Rugby League is back and the whole world is hopefully watching. Yeah, they've been very impressed because there's a lot of people inside the world who are still trying to watch something and they've turned to NRL. And I know you mentioned you were a, um, you're a St. George guy, so you know what I do? I do feel bad for how the season's gone for you so far. It's been a tough it's been a tough start to the year, but hopefully things you turn around as the rounds progress for you, your squad. <laughs> I hope so as well, mate. It's uh, it, They're a tough team to support. And like I kind of said at the start, I had no choice. My dad is a St. George fan. I was born that way. And uh, I saw from the year I was born, we lost five grand finals before we finally won a grand final in 2010. It was like a 30-year drought or something like that. And it's not a great year. It hasn't been a great couple of seasons for the club. There's a lot of issues there that we won't go into on this show or on this (laughs) conversation. But yeah, it's it's not a lot of fun being a Dragons fan at the moment. But hopefully they can bounce back and give us something to cheer for uh, by the end of the season. Yeah, we'll definitely see. And, you know, just watching the action, you know, it's interesting to see how certain teams have adapted to the restart and certain teams have not. Like, say, like um, like Brisbane. They've been a team. They've struggled. They really took it against against Sydney. And hopefully that change, I guess, as the rounds go on, you'll see teams recover. Because you're seeing right now, round three and four, there's some teams who are really having a tough time coming back from a layoff of over two months right now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's hard to see, like... You know, you got to imagine these got some of these guys haven't been able to play or train for something like sixty days. So some have bounced back and recovered better, better than others. Um, I don't know how much you guys over there know about some little rule changes that have taken place that has affected the speed of the game. So the fitter clubs, the fitter teams have been able to get on top, and once they do, it's hard for the other team to come back. So there's a lot of little things that have happened. It's, it's still early days. So, like, anything can happen by the end of the season. It can completely change, and, and which is probably very similar to all the big sports that you guys have over there. Anything can happen by the end of the season. And I guess as clubs get used to it and, and the intensity, they get used to the intensity and the speed, then, you know, a club like Brisbane will come good. They've got a young team. Um, they've got a great forward pack. And if they don't come good this year, they'll definitely be good in the years to come with the squad that they have. No, I think so as well. And of course, with the fact that there are no fans, well, I know around five will be some fans allowed again in, in the corporate boxes. They've brought, NRL has brought in 
the ability to have Cobra Cutout fans in the stands. I submitted, I submitted one this morning for South Sydney, so hopefully you'll see me on next week in the, the South Sydney game. But what has it been like to see that the NRL still saying, hey, you know what, we can't have fans in just yet. Let's have you send in pictures and make and make give it some sort of atmosphere as opposed to just looking at empty seats in all the grounds um, so far. I think it's been fantastic. It's a good innovation. It's a simple one, but it's worked really well. There's been a lot of talk about it. It gives the fans a chance to be a part of it, even though they can't be there. So that combined with the fake crowd noise that you hear on TV as well, I think that's been fantastic too. Like it's just been, it's just great to have footy back, and they've done these little things just to make it a better spectacle, create whatever atmosphere they can. And I guess the good news is there is talk that fans will be allowed back into stadium soon. So it might be in very small numbers. So they're talking about. Um, corporate sponsors and things mm -hmm. like that, being people come, being able to come back and enjoy the game at the stadium. We're talking about numbers as little as maybe 500, but still that's a start. Once again, we're one of the first um, sports in an English-speaking country to do something like that. And yeah, rugby league, the NRL really leading the way in this part of the world, that's for sure. No, of course. Has there been any word at all in terms of when you could possibly have more than 500 to have maybe, say, a 1,000 fans or 2,000 fans? I'm sure the league would like to have eventually more than 500 back by 2021. I can't imagine you want to go or even into state of origin in, uh, in yep. limited crowds. Yeah, look, it's really tough to say. I guess the good news is mm -hmm. things have gotten better faster than we anticipated. So that's a good sign. Um, the, the, we've got this year, it's a shorter season because of the break, right. but we've got State of Origin has been moved to after the grand final, which doesn't normally happen. The reason they did that is they're hoping that we can have crowds back, which means you will, you will see 80,000 plus people watching these State of Origin games at the stadium. We're hoping for that. Fingers crossed it would be fantastic because, you know, one of the biggest things about State of Origin is the atmosphere that yes. is generated at the game. So it'll be fantastic to have crowds back. We're very hopeful that that can happen, and yeah, hopefully sooner rather than later. But yeah, it's hard to tell. No, of course. You know, I know one thing with your podcast, other podcasts. This is a sport that really has embraced the culture of podcasting from around the world, like all types of podcasting. Because I feel like this is a sport that really needs is really embracing new forms of media, especially your show right now, Michael. It really is. It's funny, you know, podcasting is something that anyone can do. It's a lot of fun and. You know, you got some great, uh, some great podcasts in North America about rugby league as well. Mm. So you got Nate Gladden, obviously rugby league in America podcast, yes. doing some great things. The boys over at the Howling Hour for the, you know, the fans Toronto Wolfpack podcast, and there's others as well. There's just there's heaps of us. You know, we're we're kind of a little world rugby league podcasting family, and it's just a lot of fun and it's really cool. And we're all trying to help each other and you know, hopefully get more and more listeners as we go as well. Nice. Couple more questions for you here, Michael. I do want to ask you, is, is there one guest that you're thinking it could be It could be someone in a traditional rugby league stance or it could be someone elsewhere in the world you're thinking, oh, like if I could get that person, that would be my dream guest forever and ever. Is there one person in the game you're just are dying to get on? Uh, that is a wonderful question. There's probably quite a few. Um a big get for me would be someone like Jason Taumalolo. Okay. So he plays for the North Queensland Cowboys. He's, he plays for Tonga. Um, and he is, he, him switching from New Zealand to Tonga uh, it has created, I guess, a revolution for rugby league in the Pacific. Tonga has gone on to defeat the big three nations, uh, Great Britain, Australia and New Zealand, in the last couple of years. because And it all started with his switch. Uh, and it's and it's sort of put international or started to put international rugby league on the map. So I would love to have a Jason Taumalolo 
on the show to talk about, you know, how, how what he did and what impact it's had on the game around the world. Really great answer to have one. I got to admit, if I could sit down with, with Latrell Mitchell, I think I'm really cool to just ask him, what was the heat like going from Sydney to South Sydney this past off season? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he's been in the press a lot over here and I feel for him because he gets some unfair scrutiny, but he's a wonderful player. He's still very young and I think he's going to be a great one of the greats by the time he's done. No, I I fully agree with that. My last question for you here, Michael. Now, next year we know we know the World Cup is going to be in next year England, and what, just what would that mean to see someone like a Jamaica go in there? Then what a newer nation? What would it mean to see them go in there and beat somehow find a way to either beat or draw one of the big nations like uh, like in England, like New Zealand, or even even like one of the Pacific nations? Because I feel that's a country that people are sleeping on Jamaica. That is a place that could become a major player in the game in the next few years, in my mind. Yeah, Jamaica, it's incredible to have Jamaica there, not only because it's someone new, but their culture, they bring a different culture and flavour to the World Cup, which I think a lot of rugby league fans are going to be excited about if they're not already. Jamaica, it's going to be tough for them to beat one of the big guns. Uh, They're in the same pool as New Zealand, so that's Mm. the first chance they're going to get. But I was speaking to, I actually interviewed Ashton Goulding, who plays for the Huddersfield Giants in the Super League, and he's a Jamaica Heritage player. He'll probably be in that World Cup squad. And he's very confident that they can get out of the group stages so they can pull off an upset or two and get out of that group stages into the top eight. And if they can, that would be phenomenal for the sport, you know, in so many different places. So I think Jamaica can do it. The other one is Greece. If Greece could pull up, yeah. off an up- upset or two, that would be crazy. But um, look, anything can happen, man. So yeah, it's exciting times. Awesome. Michael, it's been a blast having you on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Hopefully we can do it again sometime, and hopefully we can do it down Sydney, maybe at a St. George, South Sydney game sometime. <laughs> Man, if you're here, let me know. We'll watch the game, and uh, yeah, that'll be awesome, buddy. I'd love that. Awesome. Sounds good, Michael.